0: Welcome to Paul Mill Talks About Shit. Let's just get to it. First off is uh, Strickland, Sean Strickland, MMA. So see what he's got to say. Oh, f- oh f- that, f- yeah. let's go. Let's go, man. Let's f- go. But when have you ever seen a UFC champion George St. fear anybody else, stick up for you fucking guys. I fucking do it. I do it. I am not chasing the Chinese check mark of Nike. I don't give up f- about that. I care about you guys.
1: I care about you guys being free. I care about you guys having freedom of speech. I give a fuck about you guys. And I'll tell you what, you guys are fucking awesome, and I cannot wait in this man to fucking
0: go to war for you fucking guys. Let's go. All right, well, at least he's uh not pro China, pro Nike. Uh, personally, I would discourage anyone from uh, buying Nike or using any Nike gear, as it uh, they are not for us. Next, Alec Baldwin has announced he's selling his ten-acre Hamptons mansion and is asking ten million less than his uh his asking price, which was nineteen million, uh, which he put on the market shortly after he murdered he killed that uh girl. And uh good news, uh there's new indictment in his uh slaughtering of that poor innocent girl. But they, this article is mostly about uh he's tried to he bought another estate in I don't know, somewhere or uh, somewhere else. I mean the poor guy. Oh, how many estates does he have? So trying to sell this place. Uh, I bought a farmhouse in Tony, Vermont. A ski town. Um, Yeah, so he's having a hard time selling it. After armorer trials, list for armorers trial over fatal shooting. (laughs) Yeah, he rented out an entire restaurant Because I'm assuming the public hates him so much, and he hates the public. Uh, There he is with his wife. Who cares? Uh, There's the poor girl he shot. Um, Chances are she was woke, but I don't know. She could have been the nicest person on the planet. Doesn't matter if she is. He shot and killed her. Uh, according to CP24, the grand jury indictment against Alec Baldwin, the new one now, uh, opens two paths for prosecutors so they can attack him in two other ways. Well, he's got a lot of money, so maybe his uh, lawyers will keep him uh, keep him out. Although he says he wants to put away a big chunk of cash. I think he said minimum $30 million for his current wife. Uh, now we got the billionaires who wanted to save the new industry are losing a fortune. So we have uh, the uh, billionaire swooped in to buy the country's most fabled brands. Fabled. Jeff Bozos uh, uh, bought Amazon for uh, $250 million, quarter of a billion dollars. Uh, no, he's the founder of Amazon. He bought Washington Post. Uh, Dr. Patrick Soon-Shiong, a biotech startup billionaire, What's that guy do? Purchased the L.A. Times for uh, two in two hundred uh, two thousand eighteen for half a billion. And uh, Mark Benioff, founder of the uh, software giant Salesforce, purchased Time Magazine uh, for one hundred ninety million. And uh, none of these are making any money. <laughs> so that's good, good news. These uh, billionaire douchebags who are uh, been pushing. Uh, global uh, propaganda are losing money. And hopefully they can lose uh, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions a year. And uh, yeah, then they won't be uh, evil globalists anymore. Next, Jonathan K. I I do not agree with this guy half the time. Half the time I do. Uh, but I like what he says here. Trudeau uh, blithers on about uh, Canada. What's he say here? I don't know if I should play it. We know. We're in challenging times right now in the world. And that's why it's so You're important. in challenging times, you piece of shit, because you're fucking not going to get reelected. We have a government that continues to roll up its sleeves uh, and take responsible, serious... Oh, they roll up their sleeves. That's why you roll up your sleeves, you fucking twat. Oh, anyway, so uh, I am i can't listen to the guy. But I guess he was saying uh, Canada is such a good country. Uh, Jonathan Cabry uh, comments on how... Uh, Trudeau had commented that Canada is a blood-stained, genocidal state. I'm surprised he even calls it a state, considering he thinks Canada is a post-national organization. <laughs> right. Fuck. Anyway, so uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, here we got this guy from the Space Force. I'll just let you say, hear what he has to say.
1: Good morning. My name is Matt Lohmeyer, and I'm an Air Force Academy graduate, former F-15C fighter pilot, and was a lieutenant colonel and commander in the Space Force. In 2021, I was fired from my command for writing a book, trying to reverse the trend of the overt politicization of the uniformed services. Specifically, I criticized the military's diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings, which, at my own base, were illegally occurring despite an executive order from the commander-in-chief. The diversity, equity, and inclusion industry is steep in critical race theory and is rooted in anti-American Marxist ideology. I watched DEI trainings divide our troops ideologically and, in some cases, sow the seeds of animosity toward the very country they had sworn an oath to defend. Before writing that book, I submitted a formal written complaint to the Space Force Inspector General's Office detailing that such violations were occurring, including illegal race-based discrimination, but my complaint was never investigated and was later dismissed by then Lieutenant General Stephen Whiting, whom the Senate just confirmed for his fourth star. After two months, I received a written dismissal of my complaint from General Whiting. Personally, I have always advocated for a non-political military work environment. Today, I'm here to testify about the ongoing Marxist-inspired efforts to subvert and weaken our military and broader American society. We often refer to these efforts as wokeism, but it is also a culture war. Yet, even in this committee, there are differing views about whether there is such a thing as a culture war underway. Some members of this committee have been outspoken critics of DEI initiatives to include CRT, drag shows on military bases, trans activism, LGBTQ pride celebrations, and woke military recruiting videos, all things that are visible components of an ongoing culture war. Ranking member Garcia, as he just mentioned, on the other hand, and asserted as recently as two weeks ago, says that the culture wars are, quote-unquote, phony and are merely a political talking point of Republicans. It's nothing if not incredible for a member of this subcommittee...
0: Anybody who tries to argue... That there is not a culture war uh, going on right now is uh, using uh, propaganda and rhetoric and is trying to hide the fact that there is a culture war. So, first, that is so very Marxist and so very evil and communist. Uh, these slime bags, you're not even in a culture war. Like, what kind of fucking gaslighting is that? These psychopaths, fucking Democrats are gone. The old Democrats from back in the day don't exist anymore. Now they're these slime balls. Fucking, you're not in a culture war? We're not removing re, re, ripping down all the statues and renaming all the streets and pushing drag shows and and uh and promoting hatred of people based on their skin color, especially white people, and we're trying to destroy um
1: western civilization?
0: No, that doesn't happen. That's not even happening.
1: To assert that culture wars are phony While another member, who's not present at the moment, of this committee is a member of the so-called progressive squad, was herself a Black Lives Matter organizer and activist, an organization whose publicly avowed ideology is Marxism and whose activist ambition is social and cultural revolution.
0: But Service members
1: who wear the uniform of their country do not want to see these things in the military workplace. They don't want to see them at their bases. In most cases, this is true regardless of their race or their political worldview. Despite that reality, Pentagon officials requested $140 million to expand woke diversity initiatives in fiscal year 2024, double what it's been the previous two years. There are few things taxpayers such as myself feel less essential to the mission of the United States military than expanding diversity mandates and indoctrination. And now an important point. Such aggressively opposed ideological worldviews competing for institutionalization through policy epitomizes and formalizes what is properly termed a culture war. The fact that these debates now infect the U.S. military workplace is an offense to people like me, who love their country and all people, regardless of their race, gender, sexual preference, or background. Good morning. My name is... But
0: that is specifically the type of people they are targeting. They want him out of the military. They want to remove anybody who thinks the way he thinks. They want the globalist, indoctrinated, evil, cult, useful idiots in place. Now, here's an article from uh, the Telegraph in England. White men no longer want to fight for a nation that scorns them. He's referring to the United States, even though this is a British paper. If you can't recruit among the largest group, you won't have enough people. This was written a few days ago uh, by Robert Clark. I don't know anything about this guy, but uh, let's see his first paragraph here. Let me begin by making this point as clearly as possible. There's absolutely nothing worse for the combat effectiveness of a military than attempting to use recruiting as a social engineering program. Hmm. It was reported in this newspaper recently how the U.S. Army has seen a dramatic fall in the number of white recruits. As the Military.com website found that the Army fell 10,000 short of its 65,000 enlistment target underpinning underpinning this drop was a dramatic decrease in white recruits from 44,000 in 2018 to just 25,000 in 2023 leading to the proportion of white recruits falling from 56% to just 44%. Hmm. So you kind of wonder why these guys aren't enlisting anymore, right? We hate you. We're going to we're going to make you work 10 times harder and give you none of the credit. This is not about merit. This is about the color of your goddamn skin. (laughs) Right? Fuck you, whitey. So, no. No doubt they don't go. They're not enlisting, right? So, an interesting article here by the Occidental Observer. Um, uh, Aristotle on Immigration, Diversity, and Democracy. This was written a few years ago, uh, before the pandemic. Here's a picture of Aristotle. Aristotle, for those of you who don't know, was an old Greek guy. Uh, so he says, uh, this article says, One measure of the intellectual and moral degeneration of the West over the last decades is now near total ignorance of the founding classics of Western civilization. Now, the founding classics are, you know, the all the, the, the Greeks, Marcus Aurelius, Plato, all that stuff you're supposed to read to understand Aristotle. But uh, the the cultural Marxists are doing everything they can to stop people from reading this. They don't want you to understand the different modes of government and the different modes of, of anything. It's all Marxism, communism, socialism. This is the only way, right? So um, he says, even among the so-called educated class, those who remain in ignorance of what superior minds have thought before them are condemned to remain as children. <laughs> so... I don't know if these guys are superior minds. Um, They sure seem to be because they thought a lot more, but I think that's just because they were forced to think a lot more. These idiots today are brainwashed, indoctrinated baboons. They have no clue of what's going on, but they could be uh, trained to think or forced and put in circumstances where they have to activate their brains and start thinking. But as it is right now, they're being spoon-fed what to think, and these leftist idiots will have their face glued to the TV praying to the God of CNN or the Toronto star, whatever, please tell me what to think. I don't know what to think. Tell me, right? That's what these fucking idiots, they don't think for themselves. And yet once they're told what to think, they'll argue to the death, even though they didn't rationalize it on their own. Right. Um, yeah, so that's a good point. He says they, uh, they will remain in ignorance of what uh, these superior minds have thought before them and are condemned to remain as children, at best reinventing the wheel, which was we've already uh, invented thousands of years ago, rather than standing upon the shoulders of giants uh, to see farther, right? So while the classics are clearly written for a time and place very different from our own, their concerns are often speak to us very directly. Aristotle's politics, his main political treatise, is replete with uh, comments concerning the dangers of diversity and egalitarianism. Aristotle's political thought does not soar to the eugenic and spiritual heights of Plato's utopia. However, Aristotle's moderate and pragmatic uh, brand of politics is much more palatable to some raised in modern liberalism. Now, there's an interesting thing about liberalism. Uh, some people will argue that it has been introduced intentionally as an ideological seed of cancer to weaken our society. And people say, oh, that's just the uh, conservatives saying that. Well, there is. I'm a. I consider myself a traditional liberalist. But given that, I understand that it is not written in stone and there are competing concepts. So when you read people like Aristotle, you'll realize that it's not black and white as we are conditioned to think in the polarized concepts of, yes, it's got to be this, it's got to be that, right, to the extremes. Um, so you can say, while at the same time uh, being better, uh, being a better introduction to the communitarian and aristocratic political ethics of the ancient Greeks, Aristotle is greatly concerned with the preservation of civil peace in the city state. One of the most common causes of faction and civil war, he says, uh, was the unhappy consequences of unassimilated immigration and the consequent diversity. Aristotle's prose is perfectly clear. So let's hear what Aristotle himself actually says. Heterogeneity of stocks, stocks assuming like people, uh, may lead to faction. At any rate, until they have had time to assimilate, a city cannot be. Now, you think about this and you think about what's happening in all Western civilization, United States, Australia, Canada, the UK, uh, only these Western countries are being inundated with illegal immigrants, Uh, these people who are bypassing the immigration laws uh, for no reason. Now, you say, oh, the refugees, we have laws for refugees. These people are bypassing those laws. So you could say, oh, the refugees, yeah, they're not. If they were refugees, they would go through the normal channels of refugees, like all other refugees did, like my father did and his family did. Okay, so most cities, um, what's he say here? A city um, cannot be constituted from any chance collection of people or in any chance period of time. What the time is, I guess it doesn't, to me, it doesn't, I can't see yeah, the logic in that, but most of the cities which have admired, admitted settlers, either at the time of their foundation or later, have been troubled by faction. For example, the As- Aschians joined the settlers from Trozen, a founding Sybaris, jeez, I'm probably brutalizing all these names, but expelled them when their own numbers increased. And this involved a city in a curse, as this involved their city in a curse. At three, the uh, Sybarites quarreled with the other settlers who had joined them in its colonization. They demanded special privileges on the ground that they were the owners of the territory and were driven out by the colony. At Byzantium, the later settlers were detected in a conspiracy, against the original colonialists or colonists and were expelled by force. And a similar expulsion befell the exiles from Chios who were admitted to Antisa by the original colonists. At Zengkel, on the other hand, the original colonists were themselves expelled by the Sumerians whom they admitted. At Apollonia on the Black Sea, factional conflict was caused by the introduction of new settlers. At Syracuse, the conferring of civic rights on aliens and mercenaries at the end of the period of the tyrants led to sedition and civil war. At uh, Amphipolis, Amphipolis, the original citizens, after admitting Chalcedan co- colonists, were nearly all expelled by the colonists they had admitted. So these are warnings, and these are examples, and these are not hypotheses. These are Uh, actual uh, examples of what happens. And these are what a rational person would look at. What has happened in the past? What has worked? What hasn't worked? Why did it work? Why didn't it work? Thus, uh, let me adjust. I adjust. Thus, immigration of different peoples was a common source of conflict, often leading to civil war, and concluding with the ethnic cleansing of either the native peoples or the invaders. Take a look at uh, Palestine right today. The same thing's happening, right? The, uh, the invaders are uh, clearing out the indigenous uh, uh, population. Aristotle's ideal of citizenship entailing civic duties and group solidarity necessarily requires a strong common identity and a sharp differentiation between citizens and foreigners. Conversely, foreign mercenaries had no solidarity with the people and were thus frequently used by tyrants to enforce their unjust rule. Now, during the freedom protests in Ottawa, Justin Trudeau was threatened and scared by people daring to uh, protest and question his authority. You will do what I say. You will take this unsafe vaccine or else. And uh, rumor has it uh, there is some evidence to indicate that uh, some of the police, at least on hand, were not from uh, Ottawa and were not from Canada. Uh, apparently, there was a couple flights that landed in North Bay and uh, I think there were U.N. planes. So there's a potential. Uh, I don't know if it hasn't been verified, but it hasn't been debunked that some of these people and also there are people on scene who said some of the cops uh, were not speaking English or French, and they had uh, different accents. Uh, and Canadians in Ottawa are usually pretty attuned to the uh, Quebecois accent, eh? or the, uh, the the Anglos. So I don't think these people would be totally clueless. So it does seem to be that uh, Trudeau may have been using this, uh, using foreign mercenaries uh, who have no solidarity with the people, who don't care, who enjoy their thugs. They enjoy beating up uh, people, right? So they were, uh, in this case, they were used by tyrants to enforce their unjust rule. The guard of le- the uh, legitimate king is, comp- is composed. Ugh, let me start over. The guard of a legitimate king is composed of citizens. That of a tyrant is composed of foreigners. It's a habit of tyrants. This is this is from Aristotle. It's a habit of tyrants never to like anyone. Who has a spirit of dignity and independence the tyrant claims a monopoly of such qualities for himself he feels that anybody who asserts a rival dignity or acts with independence is threatening his own superiority and the despotic power of his tyranny he hates them accordingly as a subverter of his own authority sounds very much like trudeau it's also a habit of tyrants to prefer the company of aliens to that of citizens at table. And in society, citizens they feel are enemies, but aliens will offer no opposition. So Joe Biden's bringing in all these illegal aliens, and uh, he'll feel a lot more comfortable with these people than American citizens, because Joe Biden hates American citizens, because American citizens won't vote for his puppet masters. This passage brings to mind the Bolshevik tyranny. There is uh, not many in this universe who are more evil than the Bolsheviks. Uh, In the early decades of the Soviet Union, when the government, and especially the secret police, was dominated by people from non-Russian ethnic groups. So they're saying the the Soviets brought in non-Russian ethnicity people to be in their secret police to uh, beat up the, uh, the local uh, Russian population. When the government, and especially the secret police, was dominated by people from non-Russian... Okay, as Aristotle notes, under such a system, by any assertion uh, of independence was ruthlessly crushed. Any assertion of independence was ruthlessly crushed. Aristotle also clearly expresses a related idea that ethnic homogeneity enables a group solidarity that is needed to throw off tyrannical rule. While a diverse population with no common identity is easier to rule, divide, and conquer, Aristotle, in order to enable leisure in the post- or the pre-modern era, argues for having a population of ethnically diverse slaves, something I, for reasons of civil peace and genetic integrity, would not endorse, and especially not in the age of automation. So I don't know if that's, yeah, this guy who wrote it. The class which farms it should ideally, here we go, the farming, this is quite interesting considering how they're attacking farmers today. The class which farms it should ideally, if we can choose at will, be slaves, but slaves not drawn from a single stock or from stocks of a spirited temperament. (laughs) This will at once secure the advantage of a good supply of labor and eliminate any danger of revolutionary designs reminds me when I was on a, a ship one time, a cruise ship, and I was talking to one of the workers, and they said how they uh, they used to have a lot of the staff from one country to the Philippines. I can't remember what country it was, but just let's say, for example, it was the Philippines, and they said that they would uh, get together in uh, and form a united uh, mafia <laughs> against the ship and the, and the captain. So they learned that you can't have everybody... Of one ethnicity working on the ship, so they hire from multiple different countries. So if you ever go on a cruise ship, you'll see that there are uh, groups of workers all from different countries, because the uh, the the shipping lines don't want these little mafias formed by these people who uh, instinctively, I guess, form these uh, ethnic mafias: the uh, Polish mafia, the uh, Estonian mafia, the whatever, right? Thus, a mass of mongrels without identity is easier to rule than a self-conscious people, a truth which the hostile elites who rule the West seem to instinctively understand. Aristotle observes that foreigners were also a favorite political weapon, not only of tyrants, but also of egalitarian extremists. He writes, At Amphipolis, someone by the name of Cleotimus, Cleotimus, introduced uh, Chalcidian settlers, <laughs> and incited them after the settlement, uh, incited them after their settlement, to make an attack on the rich. So someone, uh, so at a settlement, someone uh, introduced some settlers, and then uh, incited them after the settlement to attack the rich. Geez, that sounds awfully familiar, doesn't it? Aristotle says that naturalization of foreigners played a key role in founding the more extreme form of democracy found in Athens. He writes of Cleisthenes, who said uh, to have founded the democracy of that city. After the expulsion of the tyrants, he enrolled in the tribes a number of resident aliens, both foreigners and slaves. Aristotle says elsewhere that democrats consolidate the regime by efforts to mix the citizenry, breaking down old identities, and stoking individualism. That's interesting to think how stoking individualism uh, is a tool of division. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. But this is uh, the collectivists are uh, they they seem to have a catch-22 because they're always pushing collectivism so hard. that they just hate and loathe individualism. Uh, So if they were a little bit smarter, they could promote individualism as a tool to divide and conquer. But they don't want that because they don't want you to think. Individuals might be uh, radicals. They might go off and think for themselves. And this is worse. right? So other measures which are also careful or what? Other measures which are also useful In constructing this last and most extreme type of democracy are measures like those introduced by the Cleisthenes of Athens when he sought to advance the cause of democracy or those which were taken by the founders of popular government at Cyrene. A number of new tribes and clans should be instituted by the site of the old. Private cults should be reduced in number and conducted at common centers. Probably not secret. Common centers probably meaning, uh, you know, expose them so you don't have these secret cabals forming, right? And every contrivance should be employed to make all the citizens mix as much as they possibly can and break down their old loyalties. All the measures adopted by tyrants may equally be regarded as congenial to democracy. We may cite as examples the license allowed to slaves which up to a point may be advantageous as well as congenial, the license permitted to women and children, and the policy of conniving at the practice of living as you like. There is much to assist a constitution of this sort, for most people find more pleasure in living without discipline than they find in a life of temperance or a life of no discipline. Temperance is controlling yourself, so in a life of Uh, whim. You just do whatever you want. Now, I am of two minds here. I I am an advocate absolutely for individualism as nature and natural selection uh, also supports individualism and the concept of uh, trying new things. So I would err on the side of individualism as opposed to collectivism. Collectivism is just historically evil so but there is it's again not two extremes you can have a a collection of individuals it's it's more layered it's more sophisticated than either or it's not just collectivists and just extreme individualists living in the woods right uh hunting and uh trapping and and you know living on their own there's there's it's, it's it's a gradient so somewhere in the middle Again, I don't want to say in the middle because it's not in the middle because that would be the fallacy to the mean, right? Or the fallacy to the average, whatever it's called. But uh, yeah, you definitely need individual, uh, the freedom of individuality, the freedom to be an individual, the freedom to explore and try new things and and have different startups, uh, be very libertarian, err on the side of libertarian. But uh, in times of conflict, uh, throughout history, there have been nations of individuals who uh, ad hoc or perhaps not ad hoc, perhaps they have uh, you know, registered uh, associations where they form together in defense or form together in offense. Right? Uh, that, is, that is perhaps a natural thing that humans do. We go off on our own, we tinker around, and if you think about how our social uh, lives are constructed in the West, that's generally how we do it. Families grow up, they, s- they separate. And then at uh, holiday times, and people, they, they regroup, right? And they get together for like Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, right? And then they go back off on their own and they go do their thing. That is sort of the natural, it's a harmonic, a, uh, a metaphor perhaps for our society at large. Allow the individuals to go out and do their thing and also uh, not totally cut ties with the rest of uh, society. So being an individual doesn't mean that you never work in groups or never work in teams. And you'll hear these fucking mindless communists saying, well, firefighters are socialists and socialism's brought you weekends and all this other stupid fucking retarded shit. These people think in extremes, they think polarized black and whites. So they think if, if, any form of socialism is good, then all forms of socialism are good, which is a total fallacy. Just as they think if any vaccines are safe, therefore all vaccines are safe, which is clearly anti-scientific, as I could pull the ink out of this pen and call it a vaccine and then say, here, inject it. And if you don't want to inject it, you're anti-vax because it's safe. I called it a vaccine. Therefore, this is safe. The, The kind of logic these morons use, right? It's not safe until it's been tested and proven safe. Anyways, uh, so he says these measures appear in line with what Samuel Francis has called anarcho-tyranny, anarchist-based tyranny. By the weakening traditional group identities and the authority of family fathers, the patriarchy, the population of liberated individuals is paradoxically reduced to an impotent mass, you have some impotent rage, which can then be uh, can ably much then can be ably manipulated by demagogues. Aristotle considered extreme democracy to be undesirable because it leads to law, the lawlessness of individualism. Not just because he considered it doesn't make it so. Um... So again, I would err on the side, but I am just spitballing here. Uh, I definitely would err on the side of individualism over collectivism, but it is not extremes. There are gradients. There are layers. right? So Aristotle is rare among ancient thinkers and that his political theory advocates at least a kind of moderate democracy or constitutional government. He generally believes a large number of people should have citizenship limited by service in the army, and moderate property qualification, a description that fits the Roman Republic remarkably well. He argues for a mixed regime featuring democratic, oligarchic, and aristocratic elements subject to a largely unchanging base law or basic law, the latter embodying a and stipulating a way of life. So they're saying uh, dogmatic law, right? The American founding fathers and the Confederates Vision of a government strikes that author as having significant overlap with Aristotle's political thought. The greatest difference is perhaps that Aristotle argued for a moderately democratic constitutional regime, not on grounds of individual rights or equality, but because these served the interests of the community. A moderately democratic regime gave as many many people as possible an interest in the preservation of that regime, a buy-in and allowed all citizens to include their share of wisdom, however small, in the government. Now, if you do not have a say, you do not have any impact in the government or even the perception of impact uh, people or or in in society, people will be, uh, naturally revolt, and as they should. If you are not having any say in what goes on in your society, why should you defend or promote or do anything with that society? So it's understandable that you have these groups of people who are uh, anti-society if they don't have a voice. Aristotle forcefully argues in favor of a community-centered notion of justice. So he's talking about like burning at the stake, perhaps. The good in the sphere of politics is justice, and justice consists in what tends to promote the common interest. Yikes, that's very dangerous, right? How many political discussions today, whether about abortion, gay marriage, immigration, economic policy, or whatever, refer to the common ground rather than the solipsistic and childish arguments about rights and fairness? Solipsism, solipsistic, that is... Uh, what the hell is That solip? That's solips- solipsism is... Um, that is... Uh, If you think of um, Descartes, I did a a podcast on Rene Descartes, and he talked about how you don't know anything, right? He whittled it down, all these beliefs and stuff. I don't know if outside really exists, outside of your head. I don't know if my hand really exists. You know, he he reduced it all to finally, I think, therefore I am. So the fact that he asked the question, you know, what is real? Am I real? Do I exist? Means that you do exist, at least at some level, uh, in order to ask that question, so this, so then, if you said if everything is just, uh, just this ego, can you, the term egocentric is used commonly to be very negative, but in the context I'm talking about, it's more philosophical. Uh, is there anything beyond the ego? Is there anything beyond you as an individual? Is this all just a false construct, a video game that you might be in, right? Which is possible. We don't know, right? So that is uh, solipsism. Uh, so when people say, "Oh, solips, uh, solipsistic uh, uh, people are, uh, are are egocentric," well, yeah, but in what context? Now he could—I'm guessing from the natural interpretation of what he means here—he means they are egocentric in the negative term. If he's adding childish to it, right—the childish arguments about rights and fairness. But solipsism isn't uh, just, uh, you know. Uh, an egocentric. Oh, it's all about me. It's a more of a philosophical thing. Is is there anything else, you know, beyond right? What do I know is actually real? You know, if you uh, was it, it was Descartes, Rene Descartes. Um, anyways, uh, where was I? Solipsism. Well, Aristotle uh, is decidedly more bourgeois than Plato. Bourgeois. Um, he too is contemptuous of egalitarian access. Always be leery of people that say bourgeois or bourgeoisie. It's a very Marxist thing, right? They talk bourgeois is just the middle class, right? So you have the peasants who don't own anything. Uh, and then you have the bourgeois, which are like the middle class who, uh, it doesn't really apply to today, but it's for people who owned, maybe it does, people who own property or, you know, shopkeepers, you know, they're, they're not a, a, a collective evil, right, the group group and then you had the elites who are the super rich that uh, like the uh, the scummy uh, royals and people like that the the people who are generation after generation stinky rich and feel entitled right so bourgeois isn't a bad thing but the marxists uh, frame it as so right so the bourgeoisie and the bourgeois so i'm not even sure what the hell this guy's talking about by saying aristotle is decidedly more bourgeois than plato uh, he, too, is contemptuous of egalitarian excess. Maybe he means bourgeois as in being against the uh, proletariats, against the people, the masses. Now, again, I hate using these Marxist terms. But he is contemptuous of egalitarian excess, which manifests themselves in democratic extremism and selfish individualism well if you have democratic extremism it's just again this is what the american system the republic it's tried to uh be set up to fight against the uh what do they call it the uh, tyranny of the masses the tyranny of the majority it's the tyranny of the majority right so if you have um, the a, a majority the the mass of people they will have the say over everything so but the american system is actually not that it's a republic it it has uh rules to protect the minority. And it's before all this woke bullshit came in and started uh, attacking and weakening the the West. So uh, where was I? Um, Contemptuous of egalitarian excess, uh, democratic extremism, selfish individual. Aristotle notes that some democracies are so extreme that they actually undermine the existence of the state and hence do not survive as long as a moderate democracy. He writes with great eloquence on that false conception of liberty which has so often seduced our people in democracies so now this is what aristotle writes in democracies of the type which is regarded as being particularly democratic the policy followed is the very reverse of the real interest the real reason for this is a false conception of liberty there are two features which are generally held to define democracy one of them is the sovereignty of the majority And the other is the liberty of individuals. Justice is assumed to consist in equality and equality in regarding the will of the masses as sovereign. Liberty is assumed to consist in doing what one likes. The result of such is uh, a view that in the extreme democracies, each individual lives as he likes. Or as uh, Euripides, Euripides says, for any end he chances to desire this is a mean conception of liberty, mean as in the average, I guess to live by the rule out uh, to live by the rule of the Constitution ought not ought not to be regarded as slavery but rather as salvation. Now there's several different ways you can interpret that that bit of writing <laughs> right but uh, depending on how you, your your view is. I'm got. I'm, I'm got conflicting three, maybe three conflicting interpretations of that, but it is not very, it's not a very neat summation of the ills of modern liberalism. Is this not a very neat summation of the ills of modern liberalism? So obviously this guy is anti-liberalism. Um, again, you got to be careful of people who might be part of a globalist cabal who promote liberalism, uh, as a weapon right so these things these things are tools so liberalism can be a strength and it can also be a weakness just as reading can be a strength and it can be a weakness if you don't read critically if uh, i guess the reading itself is just a tool and it's the thinking the interpretation of it that is required just like science right uh, you could say oh i observe these results yeah you don't it's not just the observation of the results; it's the interpretation of those observations. Just because you observe something doesn't mean it's fact, right? Your your your, observe, your your conclusions may not be the only interpretation of something, right? And and all the interpretations you think of may not even be accurate. So uh, he goes on, yeah. Is this not a neat summation of the modern ills or the ills of modern liberalism? I would argue that the West has already severely was already severely infected by in the 1930s before metastasizing into an absurd degree from the 1960s onward. Yeah, I'd say there's definitely been a push for, uh, at least a propaganda push of liberalism, but has the establishments actually changed at all? Other than uh, the acceptance of more Marxism, more centralized authority, which is actually the opposite of liberalism. In fact, those who once were called liberals, the, the the former 10, 15 years ago, people who used to call themselves liberals, the, the who used to call themselves left, are no longer there. I mean, those people are now considered far right. So I, I, I could debate this guy here by saying that the uh, the 1960s liberalism uh, is metastasized into, metastasized into what the modern liberalism. I think there was a group, some uh, force uh, that... Uh, took advantage uh, of the weaknesses of liberalism just as people sought out uh, weaknesses of any fort or any ideology and uh, even though it, it may be a, a nice positive thing the fort or the ideology or whatever people may try to spin it its strengths to be its weaknesses right and this is sounds to me i'm beginning to feel that is a very chinese tactic uh, who uh, you know th- this this is definitely uh, compromising attacking the weaknesses of liberalism uh, to pervert it into this modern woke bigotry of division and uh, intersectionalism the, the 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 most highest form of racism and bigotry is intersectionalism where you are judged uh, by your skin color and your genetics and your and they monolithically think it it, it is geared for the un critical thinker and that is why they came up with the term with critical theory to confuse the fucking retards who buy into this shit and pay to get degrees in this insanity and and, and sadly it's a lot of women doing this for whatever reason uh, probably because they have father issues because that's one of the things they push is anti-patriarchy right don't listen to your father your father's evil right because that is the traditional western mode Right, uh, the mothers have traditional roles and fathers have traditional roles. And one of the fathers' traditional roles is to protect the family and to pass on his knowledge. Uh, you know, everybody does that. The mothers would pass on the knowledge of her things, and, but and that's why they're trying to attack that because if you don't, as a, if if a child is taught or conditioned or brainwashed to ignore everything that they were taught by their father, well, now you've got them, right? And in in the uh, the Stasi. In uh, East Germany, uh, in the, the Soviet times, there they uh, they did tests, and they found that the uh, the foster kids, or the kids that were taken away from their parents, uh, were more susceptible to uh, uh, suggestions. You could suggest things, and they would believe them. They were more gullible. They were more credulous to the authority. Whereas the the naturally occurring kids from a nuclear family, which is what Marxists and these communists hate. Uh, and there's a reason why, and that's what I'm talking about, is because those kids are more resistant. They are less credulous. They, they do not, uh, believe blindly, uh, as readily the bullshit from, uh, an authority figure because they, they've been given the confidence to think for themselves. And this is, uh, what they are specifically attacking. This is not stuff that I came up with. This is stuff that these people know about and what they're using against our civilization today. Um, Yeah, so he says from the 30s and 60s, thus today liberals express... Again, he's stereotyping liberals. Now, this is a common thing with the right. They say all liberals, but it's a placeholder. I understand why he's doing it. It's a placeholder for the left, this uh, neo-left post-liberal bigotry of intersectionalism and all that shit, right? So... He just refers, I'm assuming, that as liberals, which is not really what liberals are, and this is also a tool by the woke bigots to refer to themselves as liberals in order to erase the concept of what the liberals used to be. So now it's like gaslighting people by saying, uh, I, am, uh, I am a liberal, and I stand for all this hatred. So those people who used to stand for peace and who used to uh, be against the military-industrial complex are now literally in bed uh, with the military-industrial complex, I don't know, but literally in bed, uh, if uh, what's her face, the uh, Nikki Haley, if she's literally in bed with the military-industrial complex or not, but she is, uh, you know, you talk about the the rhinos and the Republicans and Democrats and all that shit is bullshit. It's uh, it's traditional uh, values, traditional society, traditional concepts of individual at ratios and and in and. and uh, versus uh, centralized authority, which they're pushing for to the extreme. They want to have all the power, all the control. And uh, a lot of these uh, people in the uh, swamp just want to make money and they know the levels of money they want to make uh, is from the uh, backs of the taxpayers. They want to turn all the people uh, they probably already are into slaves and all these stupid asshole uh, ACLU's or you know, oh, slavery is a bad thing. Well, you fucking idiots are pushing for slavery. You're pushing for modern day civilization as slavery to the military-industrial swamp. Not it's not just the military-industrial swamp, but the the swamp in general. And this is there's a global swamp, and it's it's uh, it's it's multi-headed. It's not a single monolith. There are um, sects, sect. There are uh, groups. I mean, you get the uh, the WEF types, and you get the Chinese CCP types, and then you get the Islamo fascist uh, types. You get all these. And you get the uh, the Jewish cabals, right? These these people that literally in Israel have parties called Jewish Supremacy Party. So don't say. That I'm saying that these people exist when they don't they literally call themselves Jewish supremacists. now, whether that specific party is involved in some globalist ideological cabal, I don't know, but it uh, would not be beyond the pale to think that that's possible so this is um whats he say here? Thus liberals express the only express only desire for equity and solidarity all while destroying the very foundations for these ends through multiculturalism and open borders these being fanatically imposed with the most short-sighted bigotry. Yeah, I agree with that. Aristotle provides a powerful rationale for a moderate constitutional regime of responsible citizen soldiers um where was I? Uh, Constrained by an enlightened Basic law. What's this enlightened basic law? In the coming ethno-state, what coming ethno-state? The basic law will necessarily prescribe the preservation of the identity and ethnic genetic interests of the European peoples as an inviolable and uh, uh, imperative. Oh, I'm to sneeze. oh okay where was I Uh, um, yeah so what's he talking about Uh, inviolable imperative to be enforced by judges and perhaps a military spiritual order or one of soldier scientists dedicated to that end what is he saying here in the coming ethnostate coming out The basic law will necessarily prescribe the preservation of the identity and ethnic genetic interests of the European peoples as an inviolable imperative to be enforced by judges and perhaps a military spiritual order. Wow. He sounds like somebody in Israel talking about uh, Jews, right? We need to, uh, it's an inviolable imperative. We need to get rid of all the Arabs. We need to have nothing but Jews. Oy vey. That's what they're doing. In any event, Aristotle clearly articulates how homogeneity, a common identity, and a sense of peoplehood are social goods necessary to citizenship, solidarity, and freedom from tyrannical government. He argues for a good government oriented towards the common interest as opposed to towards individual rights, caprice. I think caprice is just whim, right? And uh, equality. Um... And uh, equality as ends of themselves. So he's saying what? The common interest as opposed to towards individual rights. And he puts rights in brackets. He's starting to sound like a globalist now. Uh, Caprice and equality as ends in themselves. Ancient Greek politics can only seem authoritarian or even totalitarian to modern liberals. Yeah, so this guy is definitely... uh, He's... (laughs) I don't agree with a lot of what this guy's saying. In fact, the politics of the Greek city state is nothing more than that of the assembled paterfamilias, so patriarchy, right? Pater, father, familias, family. Uh, come together to fulfill their sacred responsibility to protect, discipline, and educate their kinsfolk towards the good. This is exactly what I was just saying the pater, the, the, about the patriarchy, the paterfamilias come together to fill their sacred responsibility to protect, discipline, and educate their kinsfolk towards the good. Aristotle's grim observations on diversity are worth repeating. Unassimilable, uh, uh, somebody who can't be assimilated, unassimilable, (laughs) is a, a mouthful, unassimilable. People who can't be assimilated. Unassimilable immigration can only lead to conflict. Conflict which can only end through separation. Separation which can only occur through the expulsion either of the invaders or the natives from their ancestral lands. This was before the reforms of Pericles who democratized Athens further while actually tightening citizenship qualifications to those born of two native Athenian parents now you could argue there's a lot of stuff we could argue here but the concept of this uh multiculturalism uh without assimilation so then it is not quite multicultural is it if everybody's assimilating it's monoculturalism so by saying it's multicultural uh, and everybody has to assimilate into one culture it's not multicultural it is now a monoculture, which is not necessarily a bad thing. If if a, if a society has now a global monoculture, I would think is a bad thing. But national monocultures are would I would argue are a good thing. Uh, you have it's like planting potatoes in the Irish famine. You don't want all the stupid Irish idiots all planted the same type of potato. You get a blight and it wipes out the entire population of potatoes. Why? because they didn't have diverse crops. They monocropped. And this is something that the ancient people knew, and the farmers of South America, they all plant multiple types of potatoes. Why? Because if there's a blight, it'll only wipe out, chances are, it'll only wipe out that one crop. But the Irish are too stupid. (laughs) At least they were. I'm assuming they probably, were they drunk? I don't know. Anyways, so you don't want monocrops globally. Having a, uh, but a a bunch of potatoes in, a, in an area of the same crop is not a bad thing, so long as it's not all the crop. So it's not like the entire planet is the same thing. All right, so that's enough of that. Uh, Brazil's former president, uh, Bolsonaro, his vaccination records are false, authorities say. Now, uh, this I'm talking about because it blows me away that a president... A former president of Brazil. Let's get to the highlights here. So they're saying uh, his records—the guy was against the vaccine, rightfully so, because it wasn't proven safe. But their comptroller general's office said uh, his <laughs> his vaccine vaccination records are false. Right? This creepy maggot comptroller so thursday uh the investigation regarding alleged tampering of information of his covid vaccine covid 19 vaccination card what the fuck does this president even need this card for right records show that this guy was a skeptic rightfully so who opposed the vaccine right on i support him uh he received a dose of the immunizer in a public health care center in sao paulo in july 21 well, obviously, he didn't receive it if they're arguing that it is false, right? So the investigation concluded that the former president had left the city the previous day, so he couldn't have got it if he wasn't there, and he left Brasilia. And he didn't leave Brasilia until three days later, according to a statement. So a nurse in the records as uh, having applied the vaccine uh, said she didn't do it and she's no longer working there. Uh, registration of two other vaccine doses that would have given him, who cares? So last May, this is, this is the juicy part. Last May, Bolsonaro's home in Brasilia was raided. By who? By the federal police under the vaccine probe. Some of his aides were arrested and his cell phone was seized. This is a former president of Brazil. So obviously he is not the guy who is pushing the fucking fake dangerous pseudo mRNA vaccines, is he? If his home is being raided and they're taking his phone and his aides are being arrested, then obviously there's somebody higher up the food chain who's pushing these vaccines onto nations when the fucking former president is being arrested or his house is being raided. This blew me away when I read that. I thought it was just up to the uh, the uh, discretion of the local leaders. And this might explain why Trudeau, the piece of shit, uh, early on in the pandemic, it said Canada is not a nation that forces people to take vaccines, which he did 180 on. And, uh, of course, Canadians having Canadian values protested against his petty tyranny. And uh, Trudeau, the piece of shit that he is, uh, is doubling down on his dink-headedness, promoting this unsafe uh, jab. And so now, a court in Canada has recently uh, declared that uh, his, uh, his 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 pulling of the emergency act to try to squash the uh, the protesters and freeze bank accounts was unjust. So of course, it was unjust. Uh, I'm I'm actually amazed that there's a court in Canada that did have that. It gives me faith that there's still a shred of a shred of 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 hope in the, in canada for it to not be totally lost to the global uh hegemony of evil communist pigs right so there's hope there's at least that one cocksucker judge who said yes it's wrong that he did that it's wrong and uh today on twitter or since that on twitter the uh the paid trolls are out in force the anonymous trolls are i stand with trudeau and All the bullshit rhetoric that they said during the uh, the tyranny, which is still ongoing, um, is being uh, revamped and the world sees it. And these these paid bots know that they're evil. They know they're saying bullshit and they don't care. They just keep saying and pushing it because the stupid, uh, useful, idiot sheep uh, that are sitting with their face uh, glued to the TV to be expecting to be told what to think instead of having the capacity and the integrity and strength of character to think for themselves are going to be spoon-fed this shit. So they're going to say, yeah, the protesters are bad. I, I'm an idiot. And protesters are bad. Freedom. D-U-M-B. Oh, that's freedom. You know, to actually, think they're that fucking stupid to think, you know, spelling freedom that way. Like if, if they, they'll deny it, you know, once they've, they shake their head of the fog. Oh, that wasn't me. Just like the slimy conservative politicians today are all in Canada are all saying, Oh yeah, we're, we're gets." And even the fucking scumbag communist NDP Jagmeet Singh, Trudeau's lapdog dick sucker, who's been propping up the liberals with their minority government, uh, is like, well, I, I was resistant and reluctant to, uh, back up Trudeau with his, uh, you know, his egregious. And now they're all fucking backpedaling because, uh, you know, the fog has been lifted and people see how fucking wrong it was. And like all the protesters who saw how wrong it was then, but these people, they're not going to make the step to say, yeah, I agree. We were wrong. Those people were right. They're just going to say, well, you know, some vague, non-answer bullshit backpedaling because the polls are fucking slaughtering these assholes. They're the fucking NDP garbage. Anybody who votes NDP is a fucking subhuman. Anybody that votes liberal after this fucking past what is it, eight years is a fucking subhuman piece of shit with a brain the size of fucking a gnat's asshole. Anyways. Uh, next story. Um, 2,800, 2000, I mean, in 2081, athletic cardiac arrests from ser- or serious issues, almost 1,500 of them dead since COVID injection. So this site from Real Science has been uh, updating the data and uh so they're just saying you know that COVID's killing um cardiac arrests so there's been over 15 out of them from their data and uh you could go through and read it i mean i don't really care prior to your data you can look into it right so it, it it looks bad we don't we don't it's already obvious and if you, you need this to tell you that it's bad Ah, uh, you're a fucking clueless idiot. So there is a fact checker, of course. So you look at the fact checks, and what do they do? It's mostly ad hominem. So oh yeah, they just assertions, and ad hominems. So once I saw this, this is what made me think that this is this guy's probably on on the track here. This real science website, good science, com. I thought, oh, this might be just propaganda, just bullshit, right? But when then I looked at the uh, the fact checkers and I saw that they were just making assertions and ad hominems. I thought, really, that's your fact checking? Okay, so that saves me the hassle of having to dig too much. You know, uh, there's been multiple other sources, Jessica Rose and all these other people who have been given data from uh, the VARES and stuff. And we know, uh, we've known that there's going to be an increase in cardiac arrests from the jab. We know there's going to be uh, an increase in uh, rapid-onset cancers, men's issues with women, and blood clots, and strokes. These are all stuff that is in the data. We know it. So this guy just reaffirming this is, uh, you know, what? even if he's full of shit, I don't think he is. He might be. I don't care. But the fact-checker makes me think that that guy actually might be onto something when they start going more about uh, Ed Payne, staff writer. Yeah, you're a fucking douchebag. CNN, of course. <laughs> There you go. So look at the fact checker. Ed Payne, the the dickless wonder, uh he's a, a, a oh, award-winning journalist as part of CNN's coverage of 9/11. What a fucking cunt. Right. So this guy's a CNN douchebag. He uses ad hominem and assertions to debunk this thing. So that should be enough for uh, heuristically agreeing or saying that this is at least likely. Oh, I Ha, <laughs>